The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my friend, Sandra Bernstein. How are you doing, Sandra? Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you've got an interesting guest for us today. You want to go yes. ahead and do a little introduction for us? Yes. Um, I seem to be having a little bit of a theme of folks that have somewhere in their career have been in the food business. They either started somewhere else and ended up there, like me, or they it was a blip in the middle. Um, and so this week we've got Jay Rook, who is actually a business coach, personal coach, um, has his own podcast, which is incredible, and we'll give you details on that later. Um, but he has a food background, and I, I know about this because... Um, I do. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Hello there. Super excited to be here. Thank you so much for the two for uh, having me today. I'm excited to chat. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I read somewhere that you actually opened a restaurant, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, I, I jokingly refer to it as my involuntary nonprofit that uh, I started and closed quickly. <laughs> I think a lot of people do that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Folks will ask, uh, how long was it open for? And I'll say, well, we'll blink twice. Right around that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, had a restaurant uh, right around 2011 uh, on the water in Vallejo. Wow. In the area that they were developing at that time? Well, you know, that would have been a logical business decision. I, I decided to go for the isolated part. By, uh, I did that in Petaluma. Yeah. I can relate. Totally. I thought he was actually going to say the same house in Petaluma. Oh, yeah, that, oh my God. Not another one. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but what was the, I mean, what was the background? You're thinking a restaurant would be fun or you were, I, I think you have some culinary background. So you sure. were planning on being the chef owner as well. You know, uh, I, I wish I could also say that part was, was that well thought out. Basically, <laughs> where, where I was at was uh, uh, I had started out in uh, corporate as an attorney for the city of New York, spent, um, you know, I won't belabor the, the point, but spent a bunch of years going back and forth between food and corporate. And uh, after a particularly soul-crushing corporate run, I was just like, this is it. I'm done with working for the man. I'm going to go after my, my own thing. And uh, I was just uh, hell-bent on it. And so by the time, uh, or around this time is when food trucks are just starting to blow up. It's like 2010-ish. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a food truck. And so I uh, was really excited about all the research I did on it. And for that one, I actually had a business plan. Ironically, given the lending standards of that time, I couldn't get a $125,000 loan from the banks for a first-time business, you know, without the mm -hmm. collateral and whatnot. So uh, back to the drawing board. And uh, if you or your listeners believe in any type of uh, law of attraction type power of meditation, that night before I go to bed, I just say to myself, man, if only there was someone that had a restaurant but didn't want to run the business part of it. And the next morning I wake up and uh, hop on Craigslist and there's a guy who owns a marina in Vallejo, wants the restaurant there for the patrons and, you know, uh, foot traffic, but wants no part of it. And so we, you know, come up with a profit sharing arrangement and... Uh, that's how it rolls out. So that's a wow. Pick yeah. Well, wow. And I'm picturing like a like a place called Skip McGillicuddy's or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, with like a pelican on the front of it. Is yeah. that what it was like? You know, not not dissimilar. Uh, that my favorite part, uh, adding to this this comedy of errors of my my entrepreneurial venture, is that uh, the restaurant had no kitchen. Oh my goodness! So, so you had to put a kitchen in. No, no, no. So yeah, that, that also would have been a smart thing. What I did was got a uh, four hundred dollar in induction burner. Uh, oh. commercial uh, toaster oven for the most part. It's like a small convection oven. Yep. And then I had a series of grills out back. 
And so we would work with uh, walkie-talkies and headphones and call orders into the grill in the back and then have a runner coming back and forth. And High tech. Totally. Yeah, exactly. But you probably thought that you were ahead of the curve, that you were creating something totally. like totally new. Yes. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. We, um, we looked at a property on Cuttings Wharf Road. Do you mm-hmm. know all the way down there, the marina, the After restaurant? you go over the Richmond Centerfell Bridge? Is that no, uh, no, what you're talking um, about? No, it's um, like across from where Boonfly is on, oh, on okay. Napa. Okay. Like if you go all the way down, there's a little marina with the place. I can't remember what it was called, but that was going to be the girl in the deep blue sea. Uh, Had the whole thing dialed in. And I've never heard this before. You're kidding. No, yeah, I've never heard no, this story. It's totally true. I mean, it's... So, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that it didn't happen because I would be like having another story right. that didn't work, close that. <laughs> but um, it was just a really cool spot. It was like 40, 45 seats or so, kind of an open diner-like kitchen, mm-hmm. um, patio overlooking, I don't know, the creek cool. or yeah. the stream or the Napa River, whatever it is. Sure. And um, truly, I like had the whole thing dialed out, but yeah. I, I chickened out. It's out of the way. Mm. It, yeah. it is. Yeah, and totally. that's hard, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what, what for uh, my place, what made it incredibly challenging. It was that uh, variation in the foot traffic. So, you know, we'd be absolutely slammed on a weekend brunch and then crickets during the mornings, Monday through Friday ish. Right. And then how do you staff for that effectively exactly. and manage the ups and downs? And so that was a, a larger challenge. Do you think that some of you know what you went through there has like brought you to being a business coach a a thousand percent yeah Yeah. it it, it was kind of in the post-mortem of that where you know you can picture uh that was a a pretty depressing period of my life like the the woman who was sort of like my west coast grandmother passes away a week before the restaurant closes the restaurant closes Two weeks later, my dog dies. Aww. The week later, my landlord knocks on the door and says, hey, I'm upside down on the mortgage. You have 30 days to move. So oh I'm just my like, goodness. how much worse can this get, right? And uh, so I, I go into you know a fairly lengthy depression and postmortem after that where I'm just like, I work super hard. Uh, I was, you know, I was working like a hundred hours easily a week. I lost 30 pounds, I think in the first nine weeks. How come that doesn't happen to me when I get depressed? <laughs> Damn. No, no, no. This is when I was working for the, in the restaurant. Or working, Sorry. good or bad, so, right. still doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I'm trying to figure out like, you know, what, what went wrong? And what I realized in retrospect was I was, uh, allowing, I was following my heart, I was following passion. And I wasn't integrating that with thinking like a business person. I hadn't learned how to think like an entrepreneur yet. So my pursuit was in, you know, some level of pursuit of excellence versus pursuing profitability. And and I should have woven those Mm. two in better in retrospect. I think my mentality at the time uh, and my sort of personal mismanagement of that period was I just wanted to do it all and have it be great. So I took on way too many projects simultaneously, which left me sort of resource bare. And, um, my, I, I think if I build it, they will come mentality was like, hey, if I just put out a decent product or, or just get this going, we'll be all good. And I didn't focus nearly enough on the business model and cash flow and uh, essentially working on the business versus working in it more often. Right. Yeah. right. That yeah. makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. you owned your own business, Brian. Um, well, I had a, a catering business for a while and nice. also a meal delivery service. It was called My Organic Chef. So uh-huh. we delivered ready to heat. It's not ready to eat, ready sure. to heat meals <laughs> yeah. that were in Pyrex and yeah. posted a menu every week. And, and yeah, I got to the point where I had, I was at that weird point in the business where 
you can't possibly do it all yourself. Yep. So you kind of had to jump off that cliff and I wasn't really prepared to jump off that cliff and hire people and get a space totally. and, and do all of those things. So I, um, I could have used you actually at that point <laughs> yeah, in my life. Sure, sure, sure. And, and then conversely, uh, you know, whether it's in California, which has some uh, much higher price tags around these things or elsewhere, taking on employees becomes this massive uh, burden. And I, I think one that first time entrepreneurs like myself didn't fully appreciate because I'm just thinking about whatever the wage is going to be. And then right. you learn, you know, there's workers comp and then there's insurance and then you have to hire a payroll company because if you screw up the payroll, there's massive burdens. And all of a sudden, this person that you know maybe is in the twelve to fifteen dollar an hour range is now costing you know more like fifty-ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still, yeah. Whatever it looks like, but yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what I saw is that okay, I'm gonna have to take a hit here for a while. If right. I jump off that cliff, I'm not gonna be making any money for a while. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel, but I didn't really know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and I, if I could give any um, reflective advice, would be around the value of cash. And I, I, what I, when I look back, the number one thing that I did myself a disservice on was I was so um, uh, capital limited. You know, I, I, the business started with like 11 grand in a credit card. And, and so if you don't have that capital, uh, you're basically just setting yourself up for a world of hurt because it's just not going to happen. You know, the, right. the number of businesses that have figured out how to grow organically uh, are really small percentages. And so do yourself a favor, pick up that side job for a while, start talking to more investors who will then help you refine your model because they're going to tell you what they don't like about it from a profitability right. aspect and either you know use other people's money um, or self-fund for a while so that you give yourself a chance because once you running a business with ultra limited cash flow is massively hard yeah well it sounds like an avalanche waiting to happen it's totally. just one the dominoes start to fall and then yep yeah, and, and they it. will and and that's i think what we, we delude ourselves as entrepreneurs and say no we're gonna thread the needle and get it through this time and then the pipe breaks and the employee doesn't yeah. show it'll be different for me yeah totally <laughs> yeah, totally and totally. you know it's interesting when we opened um the very first restaurant in 1997 in glen ellen um definitely on my mind you yeah. know I don't want to start and fail right. in the middle of this. And I literally had my checkbook in my back pocket and I had no credit. Uh -huh. I paid everything with a check. Everything was COD. Yeah. Would not, um, I did not ask for credit for almost a year. Wow. I just refused. It's like, if I can't afford to get it, I'm not going to get it. Yeah. And I made sure that going in, I had enough for, you know, to cover three payrolls. So mm -hmm. that's like six weeks and, um, just kept it really small. And, and again, you know, we did everything and it is interesting in that we've always treated the businesses as a business from yeah. day one. It's like, okay, we're going to do inventory. We're going to write out our uh, menus and cost every single recipe. And we're going to check for the best prices, the best quality, the best prices, you know, and to this day, we, there's nothing that's changed. I mean, mm -hmm. we do all of those things to a fault, but knowing that when you're trying to squeeze out, seven cents or 10 cents out of a dollar yep. for profit if you're lucky. Yes. Um, and people don't believe that. People think you go in the restaurant business and you're going to make a fortune. Yep. It doesn't happen right away. And mm -hmm. it doesn't happen without working your butt off. Um, it does help get having a little bit of luck on your side, mm -hmm. um, you know, and getting people in there. Yep. Helps having a cool name. Like cool the girl name. in the face. That helped. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, having, a, that helped. having a really nice spot 
you know, they say location is, location. is important, I think. Though the Sonoma location, I mean, people failed there for yeah, years and true, years yeah. until, you know, we got there. And until you knocked that wall down. Knocked the wall down, <laughs> yeah. changed everything. Yeah. I, yeah, energy totally, flow. Yeah, yeah, energy yeah, a little, flow. Uh, yeah, a little feng shui. Yeah, going yeah, on. They're, hard, <laughs> they're hard lessons, you know. They're really, you know, you put your everything you've got into it and you get really creative and you decide that this is what you want to do and this is the path you're going to take and people aren't going to like everything that you do yeah. and it's hard it's it's like being an artist yep get really depressed so jay decided that's not what he was yeah. going to do he's <laughs> yeah, going totally. into the corporate, <laughs> and, the corporate and so world. you decide what at that point you're going back to corporate you kind of got that mopey look on your totally, face so i gotta yeah. go back and take <laughs> it from the man again sir yes sir uh, right here's right. my khakis and golf save shirt. up some money totally. maybe <laughs> open up a smaller restaurant next time exactly. <laughs> how could it get smaller then right. yeah, yeah, yeah. really right. small I, I mean like a food <laughs> cart i don't know well so how do you you know all joking aside, how do you keep that food passion alive in your life right now? Yeah, for me, it's turned into uh, falling in love with, with, with cooking again. Uh, and I think what a lot of folks find when they try to monetize their passion is that once they get into the business side of their passion, a lot of times the passion component can fade away. And uh, I, I remember, uh, for example, um, uh, baby back ribs were like a very popular item on the menu, as was pulled pork at my restaurant. You know, so guess who brought all of that home every single Sunday? And that uh. was the, the meal for the week going out. <laughs> and so it took a while before I could eat ribs again. And, and uh. so I, I, I think like reconnecting uh, from that, the, uh, hey, is this going to make money? Or um, almost using food to sort of shame myself around a business failure ha has been a nice um, mm. transitional release where now I'm back into the meat of why I liked it again and right. getting reconnected with that stuff. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's awesome. And then, of course, you know, put on top of that Sonoma County, yep. where we have just the finest ingredients and, sure. and beautiful food to be able to make great food. Yeah. You know, is there a certain style of food that you uh, uh, prefer to cook? You know, it, it, historically, it's always been some Italian variant. And, and what, uh, yeah, as you asked the question about reconnecting with food again, what, what I've really loved the last few years is just giving myself full permission to do more market basket style cooking and just poking around in my fridge or pantry or farmer's market that day and, and throwing things together. And I used to uh, voraciously read cookbooks and I couldn't tell you the last time I've touched one. You know, I might reference one occasionally now for inspiration, but I'm, I'm having a lot more fun with um, just playing around. Yeah, and I find that when I'm sorry, when uh, when you kind of get those base recipes down where I know how to do this, yeah. but and we'll just do a twist on it. And sure. what have I got in the house? Like, oh, I got I don't have any asparagus. I've got broccoli though. We could, you know, and you you've got potatoes. You know, yeah. uh, you know things like that. You just kind of do workarounds and then and then figure things out. My wife hates that because she'll like something that I make and then she'll say, "Can you make that again?" I right. Say, I don't even remember what was in the house at that time. Yes. I'm sure I threw something in the pantry uh, in there, and I don't probably don't have that so it's going to taste different she likes consistency <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally hey uh, a, a buddy of mine uh that was a fireman that was good cook used to call it pasta what you got right right oh <laughs> i like that yeah. pasta what you that would be yeah. a good food yeah. label right yeah so can we talk about seeding sonoma yeah, yeah seeding so absolutely sure. i'll let you jump in right there uh -huh. Yeah, me so so uh, so seeding Sonoma, uh, S E E D I N G, uh, was born from a uh, a thought of mine where, in, in Sonoma, it's a smaller town, about ten thousand people. Uh, it, it tends to skew a little bit older and a little bit more retired. So there's not a huge B two B entrepreneurial community here. That being said, there's a ton of 
uh, talent from Silicon Valley, San Francisco, locals that live here uh, that are polished and are pursuing entrepreneurial projects. But we don't see a lot of connection and cohesion uh, with that community. A lot of folks just kind of hang out in the silos and do their thing remotely. And so uh, my, my inspiration was, hey, can we start sort of uh, having the tail wag the dog and doing a little bit more entrepreneurial work in town and see if we can't get enough critical mass to have this pop, whether that's a co-working space or, uh, you know, starting to do incubators or accelerators. You know, obviously, 8th Street East and those warehouse districts would be perfect for something like that. Yeah. And so I thought, hey, I'm just going to throw this out there and, and see where it goes. So the event was um, uh, September of 2018. And uh Basically, if you think Shark Tank style, uh, we had about five participants, uh, or six rather, that, that made their pitch, and then uh, a panel of expert judges kind of uh, you know, poking some holes in, in whatever their uh, business plans might be or asking more questions. And Yeah, I saw that you had Jordan Kievelstad on as uh, yeah. one of I the was, guests. Was, uh, I was supposed to be there. I was so, so sick. I was yep. kind of wondering why you weren't on that. Uh-huh. I was just really, really <laughs> sick. It was awful. I mean, I think I felt so bad calling, oh. but I was... A mess. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the anyone, you know, as yourself in the, in the catering world with both of you actually that uh, have, have done any type of event production, you know how much behind the scenes go into it. And so I was, uh, my knees were knocking for this event because it, it was a large price tag. It was a, a very public and let's say roughly, I want to say like 10 to 15 days prior, I think there was 23 people signed up. And I'm just getting ready to take a public shaming and a financial bath. And I'm just like, oh, man, this sucks. And then morning of the event, I, I get a voicemail from Sandra, who uh, does not sound good on the phone. And I'm just like, oh, my so God, good. what else can do wrong today? <laughs> you were so good <laughs> about it. No, no, all, all's well that ends well. it was a great event. Yeah, we right? ended up with over 115 yeah. people. Uh, came out awesome, yeah. but it's, it's just the the um, oh. inconsistency of, of hosting live events that just makes you freak out. It, it does, and that's yeah. why I refuse to partake in the wedding part of our business. Yeah, it's just that's like yeah. someone's like most important day, right. and my staff is so good at it. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But um, I was so bummed because I'm a huge Shark Tank Shark Tank fan, yeah. huge Kickstarter fan. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly it lines with our foundation of, you know, wanting entrepreneurs to get a jump start. (laughs) So who, what were some of your participants? Yeah, so so one of my uh, favorite ones from a a fairly selfish uh, perspective, a woman named Terry Tito, and she's developed uh, this product called Womb, W-O-O-M. And so if you can picture uh, like a a, a baby Bjorn, uh, baby carrying deal, the issue is that, you know, when a kid's that young, when you know, it's probably uh, sub two years old for the most part, if, if they're in one of those, if, if mom or dad falls, the kid's in a lot of trouble. And a lot of, you know, parents use this to go hiking. And what she's oh. done is if you picture that same device, now picture like a turtle shell or a bike helmet. That's oh. the exterior of the carrying pouch. So you still get the convenience of being able to carry your child and, and go around and be mobile. But there's a hard protective outer shell and some uh, shock-absorbing inner stuff in case you do. And I, I just thought it was brilliant. So she's in the, the process of trying to get funding. Uh, the gentleman who ended up winning both the judges and crowd's favorite, his name's uh, Mike Fall. And uh, his, his pro- uh, product is Ohm Gelato, O-M. And uh, he's a, a former chef and bodybuilder type. And, and so his gelato... Uh, it is a low glycemic index. He uses agave syrup instead of sugar, and it has protein in it. 
And so it's almost like a, a health functional uh, decadence, you know, um, right. dessert type of deal. Uh, flavors were delicious. Uh, and, and so he's currently trying to ramp up production and get a little bit more distribution going. Is he in the market at all yet? Uh, he had a, a placement a few years back when I think he was uh, basing it around more of a bodybuilder focus and has since pivoted fully over to more of a uh, luxury lifestyle conscious brand. Uh, he's up in Seattle-ish area. Uh, he, used to, he just moved from Sonoma back up there. And I think he's looking for that first round of production. He's got the distributors saying, hey, we'll carry it, but That's needing the money great. to bridge the gap. That's great. The one that sounded good to me was the Stuff and Buns. Stuff and Buns, totally. Not just the coolest name. I know. But um, it was, it was kind of like pork buns, I guess, but yeah. then different ethnic um, backgrounds. So like you who could was, have one. Who that, did that? Yeah, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. He's out of Walnut Creek area. Uh, Eric uh, Giacobazzi. And uh, so it sounded the, right. Totally. Yeah. yeah right. We'll roll with that. Uh, but it, it's literally the word stuff hyphen the letter in hyphen buns. And so his deal. And that it, is so your type of a name. Brian. I think it's oh, beautiful. Man. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and if you could picture like the archetype of like this, uh, you know, very manly type dude. Uh, and we, we picture the farm to table offerings that we see at some of these farmers markets and whatnot to have his booth of just stuffing buns and it's like here's bacon cheeseburger <laughs> like, stuffed in a bun yeah really masculine totally oh yeah, man yeah. Oh. and uh and so he's like hey you know i don't want to try them and, and they were so, so very surprisingly satisfying you know were tasty. they yeah, yeah, what yeah. what is it was it like a steam bun or was it like a brioche bun or a more of a, a of a steamed bun uh uh-huh. if you can picture back in the day like the uh the cellophane wrapped jimmy dean things that you would grab at a 7-Eleven or whatever, like a pre-made breakfast sandwich that you throw in the microwave. Not radically dissimilar to that, but with uh, significantly better quality ingredients and, you know, a little more love. I can't picture that. I don't even know what that looks like. (laughs) I'm just hoping that he's going to get funding and open up somewhere on the plaza downtown. Stuff and buns. (laughs) You got to sell a lot of stuff and buns. Well, you sell a lot of t-shirts, if anything else, right? Totally. Totally. Oh, man. So very fun. So you did it at a facility that had a kitchen and was that part of like a requirement? Did people cook up their stuff to bring out to taste? Yeah. You know, so, so, uh, we didn't want to go too deep into, uh, you know, Ramekins was, it was a huge sponsor, uh, and, and, uh, supporter of that event. And so I didn't want to go too far into jamming up their kitchen that night because they were trying to get all the orders out and appetizers and whatnot. Um, and, it was shockingly, I, I ran into a lot of um, regulatory is not the right word, but along those lines, barriers uh, through this path. So all of a sudden, I started thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, what if they don't fully refrigerate their food right. on the what way if up and down? Someone gets food poisoning. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. So I was just like, all right, you know, you guys can bring a few samples for, for nibbles for folks, but we're not going to really uh, push this. And, and then the biggest aha was I, I was hoping to go very Shark Tank style, which would be something to the effect of, because we've got a lot of you know wealthier investor types in town. And that was my hope was, can I get these guys in the same room? And so uh, a, a participant saying something to the effect of, hey, I'd for 30% my gelato company, I'm looking for $40,000 for a first run of production or whatever that, that might look like. And uh, I was tapped on the shoulder by uh, both a legal person and a, a financial person that said, hey, that's solicitation of investors. And unless everyone that's in the room is a registered accredited investor, you're on, you know, some liability hook down the road if a deal ever comes through and falls apart or oh whatnot. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm just, you know, going back to my career as an attorney, I'm like, these damn attorneys just screwing up everything, <laughs> right? 
So, so we had to back that uh, part of it out of it, which is the implicit understanding that, hey, if you're up here pitching, you know, you're looking for money. If you guys want to get right. together and have tea afterwards, great. Um, but it took that financial analytical component out of it, which was kind of a bummer. And then we yeah. just, you know, voted on people based on the merits of their, their business plan and concept. Oh, I think that I, I bet people still got for got sure. it. Yeah. And, you know, if there was someone that was really interested, they could go invest on their own. Absolutely. You know, yeah. they would now. Is there seating Sonoma number two coming? Good question. Um, so uh, I, I've historically been a one man show. And oh. yeah, that, 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 <laughs> I was shocked at how much time that took up. I mean, that was weeks uh, in the making. And so. Uh, for right now, it's it's in the orbit of consideration. No, no, no. We're going to make Seeding Sonoma number two happen. I, I'm down for it. I just, I just need a little bit of a volunteer okay, team to help support. I, I will help support yeah, you. Cool. Otherwise, I'm get in. that done. Yeah, done. Yeah. Cool. Thank not, you, not Sandra. Because I, th- I think that's important. I think it would be fun, too. I think it would be fun. And I yeah. think, like, if we, why don't we limit it to a certain area? Mm-hmm. Of, um, you know, it's so like it's either food or it's right. beverage or it's. Well, the challenge is actually that the, it, it wasn't necessarily the industry so much as I didn't get enough quality submissions locally. Interesting. And, and, and I say quality in massive quotation marks. It was also in quantity. I think there was like four people that applied locally. Uh, back to me. I put that event together in like five weeks time, start to finish. So <laughs> uh-huh. if we start in advance and can do a right. better uh, solicitation for submissions of participants, uh, my, my hope would be we get uh, a better quality input. And then, you know, there's so many investor types. So there was an individual that had offered to do counseling to help these folks with their pitches along the way. So what I would love to do is almost mm-hmm. like a little pitch academy for the participants yeah. that leads up to the event. And then they kind of create their own little cohort. Um, yeah. So that's where like a little additional firepower would be. And what I would love to do is be able to hand a check to the winner to help them get their business up and going. That obviously takes sponsorship dollars and things of that nature. If we can't pull that off in this year, my other thought is a startup package where maybe a law firm uh, dedicates some time, a marketing firm dedicates some time for a logo and collateral or a financial advisor, et cetera. And we put together a, a advisory or mentor type package that helps that initial company get off and get going. Right. I think that's a good idea, too. Mm-hmm. There are a few that do that. Um, I think Barn Razor okay. may do some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, they're not doing the whole pitching and that mm-hmm. whole thing. But I, I think it would be kind of interesting to try and find something like a Barn Razor or Indiegogo or something where someone is trying to get funds. Yeah. Maybe they don't get them. Um, but and they're still looking for help. It's still looking for assistance. So there may be a way to find really good quality or piggyback on another good organization. Um, the Good Food Awards are coming this weekend, I believe, cool. and tons of great food producers that are trying to get there. Yeah. Um, so, not so, this weekend, probably three weeks ago. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Sometime uh, in uh, early January, but. I think it's. I think people need nudges. I think people need help. People yep. need to know that. I think the regulations in California are probably one of the hardest things. Off like, the charts. what can you do? What yep. are you allowed to do? Yep. Yeah. I, I, and I think it, it, you know some of these things started in good intentions and then just got so sideways in the execution and the drafting that uh, it, it's it's such a burden. Uh, and and if you don't mind, I just want to back up one step. So I'd be remiss if I didn't put a plug in for local snowman. Uh, Fred Campbell and his company Crowdsmart.io. Fascinating company. 
uh, basically a, a lot of what you're talking about with these startups. He's created this startup community that uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to predict the success of startups. Wow. So a startup submits to his company. He's got this whole team of advisors and investors that then review it and provide feedback and more relevant questions or more consistent questions get bubbled up. Uh, and he said, I forget what the statistic was, but the success rate of their uh, companies that they brought into the program vastly exceeds you know, the, the open market uh, achievements. And they were uh, generous enough to let us use their software for the seeding Sonoma event. So what happened was live time, everyone in the audience could pull out their cell phones and vote on the participants' pitches, up, down, rankings, et cetera, as well as say, hey, I've got an introduction for you, or here's what I like about your pitch, but I think you should do this. And, uh, that's great yeah maybe we can bring him into the conversation well yeah, it's kind of like you know focus group right there right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. very so, interesting. cool yeah very interesting. cool well what is it you do in your daily life in your day-to-day -day life when yeah. you're not so, so i'm the captive of uh three and a half year old boy girl twins and so they yeah uh, <laughs> they let me out for a few hours to do this yeah. so thank you appreciate yeah. it yeah <laughs> nice to uh be an adult and um you know that that's a, a lot of time but the day-to-day the -day is very much linked to um my experience with the restaurant, which is uh, there's an old adage that uh, your mess is your mission. And so what I love to do now is, is help uh, folks make the transition from employee to entrepreneur without losing their savings and their sanity. So my inspiration is to sort of uh, be the canary in the mine, if you will, for folks that are trying to do this so that they can realize uh, their dreams and have that exhilaration of being able to uh, turn, um, turn their, their, their passion into uh, their income but without you know, making the common mistakes that early stage entrepreneurs make and, and that small business uh, failure rate that's off the charts. And so, uh, you know, if they could avoid some of the failures and learn some of the shortcuts quickly, uh, in addition to that executive functioning component around how to think about the running of the business, uh, it's a huge uh, upside. And the other one is sort of like business therapists. Uh, for most of the folks that I work with, they are the overachievers and 4.0s of the world that uh, haven't had a lot of failure. And they've done well at whatever they put their mind to in the corporate world. But as you know, once we get into entrepreneurship, it's impossible to do without hitting some major speed bumps and, and uh, setbacks. And for a lot of them, they haven't had those before. So it's learning how to navigate that emotional roller coaster of launching a venture where one day you feel like you're on top of the world. The next day, you know, you're, you're naked crying in the bathtub, rocking yourself back and forth and wondering what you got yourself into and, and you know, everything in between. And so how to keep them. Uh, feeling like they're in a good spot with good momentum and uh, navigating their challenges effectively. Do you find that most people are pretty well prepared when, by the time they're reaching out to you? I usually get them late. So like ideally would be right at the start and we can do things right the first time through. Most folks, uh, myself included with the restaurant, think to themselves, you know, I'm smart enough. Like I stayed at a holiday Inn last night. I'm pretty sure I can figure this out myself. <laughs> and uh, and they're somewhere in like the, the nine month to 18 months into this uh, things are not going as they planned. Money's starting to run out, um, and, and that fear. So of they're like, looking for help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so like those are the people that pay their bills. Yeah, you? yeah, right. Yeah, totally. And, and that's you part know, of the challenge. Yeah, that is definitely. Yeah. I could see part of the challenge because when you are at that moment where you realize that you can't save the day and yeah. you need some serious help, is usually 
the right. pocketbook is is not really there. Absolutely. So how do you get creative about that? Yeah, so, so it, it might look perhaps like um, I'm gaining some additional percentage more in the coming months, you know, if I'm going to front the uh, investment in them or, you know, my, my time investment in them. You know, I obviously want to make sure I, I, I get that back. Um, it, it could look like some type of ownership going forward, but it's so messy. It's like right. almost never wanting to do it. Uh, a, a lot of times it, it's them getting creative and figuring out what they kind of should have done at right. the beginning, which was asking some family or friend for the, the money or doing some type of, uh, you know, creative credit card right. play uh, right. that, that gets them alive. But, you know, and it usually doesn't take a lot of time. It's usually a, a quicker turnaround, uh, but it's them needing to invest. It, well, the funny part of the advisory services and what I always right. laugh about is I didn't blink an eye uh, at spending, you know, probably in the uh, three, four hundred thousand dollar range on law school and college type of thing as far right. as loans that I took on <laughs> and whatnot. Maybe it took a three-day period of thinking about <laughs> launching a restaurant, and so it's funny how folks will, will try to bargain shop for consulting and advisory services when you know that's the one they. It's like a right. discount sushi. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And at, at the gas not station. Not going to want to go for that right. at all. Yeah. Yeah. So really um, interesting stuff, and um, it's. It's fascinating. I just, I can't wait to see where things go. And um, obviously you must have some really great, you know, people that you've turned around and yep. that are doing, you know, feel confident and doing their business, which uh, is Can you great. talk about some of the success stories that you've had? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I would say some of the biggest ones come through in helping to see people who, they help people see themselves as who they really are. And so a lot of times, you know, they, they might have been getting a little bit beat up around their business or, or not feeling in flow with that. Uh, a lot of times it's folks that are overly creative and want to go in too many different directions at the same time. So the, the benefit is that they see opportunity everywhere. The, the downside to it is that they're not channeling and focusing that energy into a few silos that make them money. And so a lot of times we'll work on, like, how does the business actually make money? Uh, I, I, in addition to the one-on-one -on -one work, I'll run uh, mastermind groups. And so, you know, some success stars that have come from that have, have been more around changing people's perspectives that have turned into significant, um, you know, five to six-figure savings by better strategies along the way, whether that's somebody that's trying to purchase a business or somebody that's thinking about making a partnership or investment play. And the rest of the group is saying, well, whoa, whoa, hold on. Like, did you think about this aspect of it? Actually, here's how I would approach it. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's a one or two zeros knocked off the price tag. So those would be uh, some of the bigger ones. But um, I, I think back to folks that were transitioning from corporate or the accidental entrepreneurs of the world. So the, uh, the chiropractors, a lot of the food people, too. You know, a lot of the food people don't set out to be business people. They just want to follow right. their passion in food and then find themselves behind the cash register trying to figure it out. Or the chiropractor that goes to school or a dentist, you know, those types of roles, uh, attorneys, accountants, wanting to do their primary um, specialty, but then realize they need to think about all of the business stuff. And they usually hate the marketing components. They don't really have a good understanding of, of their uh, the value of their service delivery. So they'll frame it as something like, hey, I do the books for somebody versus knowing like, oh, uh, I, I help entrepreneurs have uh, mental peace and clarity around their financial health and help them see around the corners before things go wrong. And right. so they, they weigh down sell themselves and they, they get lost in the noise of all the other accountants and attorneys that are kind of pitching the same generic right. marketing language. And so when they can connect to that, they get better marketing, better attraction, better conversion. And they also feel 
you know, more connected with their work. They know why they're there. It feels like right. uh, less. a lot of folks will start their own business and then realize they become an employee to themselves and right. how to switch exactly. that around. Yeah. Well, and how many people can you ideally work with uh, at one time? Yeah, I, I think uh, probably two masterminds running, you know, which would be monthly for about three to four hours at a clip mm-hmm. uh, that are usually capped at around, uh, you know, 10-ish people. Uh, and then I would say in like that seven to 10-ish range, 10 being on the high end, uh, of where I, I feel like I can keep my quality up and stay on top of my life. And then uh, o- over that, um, it's just a little too much as a one-man show. And here's what I always wonder. You know, when I see people like Tony Robbins or I see, you know, life coaches or business coaches, I always wonder, well, even Sandra, I think I, I sort of put in that light sometimes as she's been a great mentor to me. Right. But um, self-doubt kind of, where does self-doubt fit in when you, people are, everyone's looking to you to be the one that's got the answers. And then, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to be at Sonoma Market and <clears throat> my kids are going to act up a little bit and I'm going to yell at them and then someone's going to see me and they're going to be like, wait a minute, that's the guy I thought that was supposed to have all his shit together. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And like, wait a minute. And, and then am I driving the right car? Like, am yeah. I looking the right way today? Like, does any of that creep into your life at all? Yeah, uh, I, I would say 10 years ago, Jay, uh, absolutely. Uh, I would Not say. Not married with twins I would say I, I tend to uh, uh, wear more of my heart on my uh, sleeve and uh, fairly openly share my own business and personal and financial challenges because it uh, a normalizes it and B makes me more accessible to folks mm-hmm. um, if if I get into the spot where um, I'm, I'm out of integrity you know like I, I'm I'm uh, sharing with others like, hey, I can't keep my finances together whatsoever. And I'm a finance right. coach. So that, yeah. Then, you know, right. I probably got a bit of an issue. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, the navigation around that self-doubt component or what it's like and being able to talk through, hey, here's my experience and what I'm working with. Uh, I, I got the good fortune of being a, um, uh, a culinary food instructor fairly early out of culinary school. And I, I was not uh, necessarily qualified for it at the time. And I was speaking with another culinary instructor. And I said, hey, I think I'm a little out of uh, waters here. And he said, here's the deal. He goes, you don't need to know everything. He goes, you need to know one chapter ahead of the students. And, and not, not that I'm cutting it that threadbare, but, um, but one of my mentors uh, made a really great point. He, he said, if you're looking to get advice on a particular subject matter or industry or um, a business challenge, he said, go to the person that's just gone through that because it's freshest in their mind. They, that's mastered right. it and beaten it. You know, they know how to navigate it and it's most um, raw and visceral to them. Whereas the person that conquered that 20 years ago they're not in that mindset anymore. They're going to give you through their current lens, which right. isn't going to be as adaptable to what you're, you're currently working on. Right. So um, I struggle with it. Uh, I will definitely own that when I fall out of uh, meditation or self-care practices or I get in the, the red line burnout range and don't manage the business as well as I'd like to, uh, I definitely notice it pretty quickly. And you know, when I'm in my most powerful spot is when I'm being mindful of those things and, and staying on top of uh, self-management. Yeah. Hey, tell me, are you uh, the cook in the family? Yeah, yeah. So did you, when your kids were young, were you making their baby food and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you, what's been, uh, I, I feel very uh, blessed and, and, and grateful for with my kids is that they've eaten and do eat just about everything. So, you know, early on they're having Indian food and Thai food and sausage and curries and kale and all that. But does that come from you just putting it in front of them at home? Or is that even when you go out, you just 
you're not handing them a kid's menu that just has chicken nuggets and burgers on it or yeah you know uh we, we've only done a few excursions outward uh recently i'm just scared to death of the two of them going you know <laughs> I'm, uh, my daughter's 10 and i wish i would have done it more now i'm sort of regretting it That's so if i me. can say to you that I just gotta push kids it yep. in the restaurant yep. i love it i love it as young as possible uh-huh. i don't care if they scream yeah i really well, don't unless they're sitting next to me right. but you and you also have butcher paper no 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 you, we you don't, don't anymore now we yeah. have um toy boxes mm-hmm. okay. you know little toy box to okay. you know um but i do think it's really you're right like yeah. when you give a kid a menu that is focused on what is supposed to be kids food which yeah. is not usually right. very healthy yeah. um it's it does make it seem like they're not supposed to eat other things yet. I know some of my favorite um, um, guests that come into the Fairmont are, I see these families and you see, you know, there's a five-year-old and a six-year-old and they're ordering the, I'll have the foie gras to start. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately I'm like, they've been dining out um, since they were babies. That's my brother's. I'll have the lobster. Uh Yeah. Like the most expensive thing he wants on the menu. Yeah. And not staring at an iPad and just having the parents order chicken nuggets for him. But sure. Yeah. I just remember that was one of my, uh, I got, I got the chance to stay home with, um, with my daughter when my wife went back to work. Uh-huh. And one of the best things was actually making all the food. Yeah. Um, and I just went overboard. I didn't know, I didn't know what she was going to like, but I wanted to give her the world, of course. So sure. she would have, you know, nine different purees of different yeah, totally. sweet potato, <laughs> broccoli, beef. You know, I just put everything in front uh, of her and figure she'll gravitate towards whatever she yeah, wants. Yeah. And, um, That's awesome. but, but, uh, yeah, that was just, um, one of my favorite memories of, um, of making food for my daughter. And now, now, you know, we, we are noticing that we're getting down that path of eating the same things Mm -hmm. over and over again. Interestingly though, if someone else takes her, if she goes to someone else's house or goes, you know, with grandma somewhere and takes her to some place that, that we've never been, She'll, she'll come home and say, oh, yeah, I had um, teriyaki chicken with this, and it was great. And I say, I've tried to give her teriyaki chicken three times. Sure. She'll never do it. But if it's now. with someone else, yeah. Oh, yeah. for some reason, they just sort of go, okay, this is something I have to do, where I get a little pushback uh, on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So how often, well, would you invest in a restaurant? project yeah. now at this point in your life you know so somebody asked me hey would you ever do it again and my first answer is hell no my second answer <laughs> is yes with with opium with other people's money opium opium or opium yeah that, right, that, that, that can help work. round out the, uh, the, the peaks and valleys <laughs> not that productive but i'm happy the whole time other people's money okay i yeah. gotta remember that one yeah it's no like lol <laughs> <O-P-M>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know it, it um as a financial investment, it scares the daylights out of me, especially if it's not a group like yours that you know has the recipe down for the most part here and there. Uh, but I, I think if I'm looking at purely financial investment, I'd probably look elsewhere. Run, run the other direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Just well, Sandra, too. Sandra, you you guys pretty much run a master class on running a restaurant i can tell you from having been there and the way that they do things now when i go to other restaurants yeah. i can't i'm like really yeah the training components we're, we're doing this yeah um yeah but what you guys do with lot. spreadsheets and google docs yeah. and the amount of information that is provided to your employees and the, the the amount of access that they have to that information is amazing and you learn so much and it and you don't really realize it because you're a little bit overwhelmed until you uh, go somewhere else and, and you don't have that access and you right. don't have that information. And you say, wow, that was really um, a tight ship. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 One of the things I always notice uh, uh, about uh, 
prior employees or current employees of, of the whole fig group is uh, just the polish. You know, you can definitely tell there's this consistency of standard of excellence and behavior. And yeah, it comes through. We keep trying. Yep. We, we're doing training classes <laughs> right now uh-huh. as we speak and yep. cleaning, cleaning the restaurant. But um, and, and how you do you know, manage that with, with the turnover in the restaurant industry, well, given the amount of time and money into that? It, exactly what I was going to say. It is there are less and less people that are interested in going into the food business, yeah. into cooking, into, you know, there are much more financial um, businesses that you yeah. can make much more money at quicker. Right. So if people love food, I don't know that they love it the same way that they want to jump in. They yeah. can have great food by just going out to eat or cooking or getting an experience, but yeah. it is difficult and it's difficult um, wanting to have a place that strives on excellence where it's harder than the other jobs uh, across the street or across the square or across wherever where they don't expect the same things. And, you know, I can't always guarantee that people are going to make more money just because they do this, this and this. Mm -hmm. And, but I, we believe in what we do. um, And it's not always going to be the easy way. And you just have to keep doing it. I mean, I do feel myself a little bit, not sliding into things that I don't uh, respect, mm-hmm. but having to make some adjustments in the overall thinking because the world is changing. Yeah, and you know I'm getting older, and it seems like the world's getting younger while yep. I'm getting older. So there's adjustments that need to get made, and so mm-hmm. you know look at those things. Um, but it's easy, you know. We have a lot of inner. I don't want to say failures, but inner challenges and things that, um, you know, that I take really hard that Mm. people don't always see in getting, you know, to, to be successful. And so it's, it's, it's okay that it looks good from the outside. Yeah. yeah. For sure. (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to be sad about that. Well, I think one of the keys that at least for me of, of your success is that you made me feel like I was a part of the decision-making process a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. And you don't realize it until you don't have it. Because sometimes it can get a little overwhelming. You're thinking, oh, man, i got to make another decision. i got other sure, things right. going on. But, but it was really important. Um, um, and, and I think we do more of that now, actually. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think, and I think it has to do a lot with John and I not wanting to have to make every decision. Right. And saying, okay, you know, we're hiring people that are good at what they do. We hired them because we believe in them and we think they're capable. So we got to let them do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then sometimes you had to read between the lines. Sometimes, you know, right. Sandra, Sandra was, she's good at nudges mm-hmm. where, you know, you get an email that would say, will you sit down with this person and try their wine? And what that means is I, I just, I just sat list. through a dinner <laughs> with the person that owns a winery and they were asking me, why is their wine not on my list? Yeah. So will you just get one of their wines on the list so I don't have to go out to another right. dinner? And yeah. I don't care which wine, just yeah. pick yeah. one. Right. Totally. Uh, that's, that's pretty funny. Little subliminal yeah. messaging yeah. going on there, uh-huh. which was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love those subtle pushes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, not so subtle, but it's been a wonderful conversation today. Always. How do people get a hold of you for either your, um, you know, your expertise in entrepreneurialism or 
for for the expertise, just uh, send a $25,000 check to my P.O. box and we'll get started right away. Or opium. Yeah, or opium. Yeah, tell them fluid. That's how I make up the difference with the early starters that don't have the money. They pay me in opium. Exactly. Uh, No, it's uh, the best way to uh, follow up with me is J-A-Y-R-O-O-K-E.com. That's my website. And it's got all the information about uh, how to work with me both virtually uh, and locally. And then uh, no pain, no gain, but it's K-N-O-W for both. So no pain, no gain. Very that cute. Is, I like thank that. you. That's yep. uh, that's my podcast, yep. uh, and uh, it focuses on bringing on early, our later stage entrepreneurs, and they tell their stories, and it's focused at uh, small business owners that are currently in the thick of it. So listen. So ways. who are the best people that should reach out to you? Like yeah, where? It's, it, it's somebody who uh, is probably in the earlier stages of launching their business. You know, somewhere from concept to let's say year five. Uh, they're good at what they do. They're smart, but for some reason it's just not clicking. So they're starting to, you know, have some trouble with making the business pop or take off, or it's somebody for whom uh, failure is not an option and they want to get it done right the first time through. So if you've ever called out a tradesman to your house and you thought the bid was a little bit too high and you said, no, I think I can do this myself. And then three weeks later, after $2,000 in time material, you call them back to undo your mistakes. That's kind of like the analogy I use with folks that if they can get me early, it's It'll a lot save. cheaper and easier yeah. to go through with That's, the right yeah. the first time. That after. makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, this was very fun. Well, and then uh, hopefully we're going to look forward to the next uh, Shark Tank event. Yes, uh, Eating yes. Snow in Part 2. The second annual. Second maybe annual. possibly at Sweet D. Uh, yeah, oh, there you go. good space for it. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I think yeah. we've got some friends I, I that uh, have some ideas that maybe we can get them up there. Exactly. Or, Super excited. Or, yeah, even Broadway Farms, we could probably do it over at Preston's, oh, nice. too. Oh, cool. It could fit a lot of people. And I know this woman that was going to be a judge last time, and I can get her some I, echinacea I and vitamin C the week before. And I will, absolutely. Right? I will take no flying, no traveling the two <laughs> no, weeks before exactly. this. Yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, yeah. guys. I really appreciate oh, being a guest thank today. Thank you. Thanks so much. And thanks for your support. Always. It's been awesome. Yeah. Well, this is Brian Casey with uh, Sonna Bernstein and, and Jay Rook. We've uh, enjoyed having you on the show. Reach out to us on Instagram at Byte Talk. You can also go to thebytegoeson.com and reach us through there or go to the Radio Misfits podcast network and download the shows from there. Please give us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the shows and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Mm-hmm.